Hello and welcome back to Efficiency Optimized, unlocking the full potential of multiple impacts. This series explores the multiple benefits of energy efficiency, connecting theory with real-life examples through discussions with European experts. This podcast is hosted by Mikat's project, which aims to estimate the multiple impacts of energy efficiency via free, easy-to-use online tool called the Mikat's tool. I am Francesco Palmia from ICLE, Local Governments for Sustainability, and I'll be your host for today. In today's episode, uh, we will discuss energy and resource management and their relation to energy efficiency with Jens Teubler from Wuppertal Institute. As you learned in the previous episodes, the MICAT project focuses on uh, calculating the multiple impacts of energy efficiency, as well as the relevance and political need for tools that quantify these benefits at the local, national and European level. The three main categories of impacts uh, the project focuses on are the economic, environmental and social ones. So today we will be discussing on the second one, namely the environmental impacts. In order to explore the topic of this episode, we have here with us one guest, Jens Teubler from the Wuppertal Institute. And welcome to this show, Jens. Hi, um, and thank you for having me. First of all, would you present yourself and tell us how you ended up being an expert on this topic? My name is Jens Teubler. I'm working with the Wuppertal Institute. Uh, the Wuppertal Institute is a sustainability think tank located in Germany. And one of our visions or goals for the future for a sustainable transformation is the absolute decoupling of natural resource use from benefits for the society, from our well-being, so to speak. I'm working as a senior researcher in the Department on Sustainable Production and Consumption. And I'm an engineer by profession. My research focuses on the modeling of um, sustainability impacts, in particular environmental impacts. So I have expertise in life cycle assessments, on sustainability indicators, on questions of causality related to those indicators. And the MECAT project is one of the areas where we test, develop and adapt our methods. So let's say uh, the least information is needed to get robust and reliable results regarding energy efficiency measures. Thank you. And so the topic of today, as introduced before, is extraction and consumption of raw material related to energy efficiency. Can you explain to us how these two topics, apparently separated, uh, interrelate to each other? Energy efficiency is related to the use of energy, and the use of energy is logically implied by energy production. Currently, um, about 42% of the electricity produced in the European Union is provided by some form of fossil energy carrier, and another 25% is provided by nuclear power plants. And if we look at the other side of the equation, that is the demand for heating and cooling, about 50% is related to fossil energy carriers as well. So these carriers need to be extracted from the ground. They need to be further processed. They get either imported or extracted directly. 
And then we need all the infrastructures related to our energy production and energy use. So the power plants, the electricity connections, the pipelines, and so on. So all of that combined is necessary material. Material that we use, that we remove permanently, for the most part, uh, from the ground to provide, let's say, one kilowatt hour of energy or the approximate 2,800 terawatt hours of electricity um, needed in the European Union. But energy efficiency is also related to energy efficiency measures. If we, for example, um, assume that electrical cars are somewhat more energy efficient, or if we change a, an industrial process in a way that it makes it more energy efficient, then we usually employ additional technologies to that. So we need to produce those machines, those tools um, that allow us to reduce energy demand. Uh, we think that it's an overall benefit to society to do so, but we need to take into account these additional materials that we need for that. You, you gave us a general picture of the topic at the level of European Union. Do you see different patterns uh, of resource consumption in different European countries? Yeah, of course. Um, there is a clear relationship between the a mix of energy carriers that we use um, to produce energy and the demand side on the other side. So on the one hand, we have countries that have more industrialized sectors or that need more energy in the winter to heat their buildings, while on uh, the side of the production, uh, we have countries that have a large share of renewables in their mix compared to those countries that still, for example, have a large share of coal power. Um, in their electricity mix. So these two parts are related to each other. A country that has a comparable low energy demand, as in uh, is already quite energy efficient and employs a lot of renewables in their electricity mix, has an overall lower demand for natural resources than a country where it's not that case, where, for example, there is a large energy demand still and there's a lot of fossil energy carriers in the mix. But moving from uh, geographic disparities to a better understanding of what we are speaking about when we speak about raw materials, uh, can you give uh, examples of what are the most harmful materials used for this purpose? The harm of the, the extraction of raw materials can be a direct environmental issue. If we think about precious metals and the mining of them, there can be processes involved that directly affect the region where we extract those materials. But this issue is not that relevant to Europe because it's rather a global problem. A lot of the materials that we use, we import from other countries all around the world. But there's another issue involved in the extraction of um, energy carriers, for example. We mine for coal in many countries in the European Union. A lot of the earth has to be removed in the first place to get to the ores that provide us with the metals and other substances that we need. And a lot of these materials cannot be easily replaced via recycling or reuse, at least not to a degree that would make the extraction of additional uh, materials irrelevant. And how can the consumption of these raw materials uh, can be reduced in a realistic and sustainable uh, way? Are there measures at European levels? One policy I would mention in that context is the idea of the European 
Union and the European Commission to foster a circular economy, because I think it's closely related to policies uh, regarding energy efficiency. In cases where we cannot reduce the energy demand sufficiently or where we have that high amount of natural resources extracted in Europe or somewhere else in the world related to environmental issues, we should foster systems that allow us to recycle and reuse materials. For example, iron that is used for steel, the extraction themselves is not that harmful to the environment per se, but we need so much steel in Europe that the overall quantity of the material extracted has or is related to environmental issues. So if we find ways to separate different types of steels, to collect them and to recycle them, which is technically possible to a higher degree, then we should do this so we can avoid the additional impacts not mitigated by energy efficiency. And what about indicators and measures to calculate and have a better understanding also for policy making relevance of this process of consumption? Is the material footprint something we can use in this case or are there better indicators? At least we think so that the material footprint is an appropriate measure as it accumulates all the materials needed for a service or a product. But there are other indicators that could be employed as well, especially in the context of life cycle assessment. But the way we would go about it would be very similar anyway. The Mika tool is intended to be an easy accessible tool to calculate those impacts. So we need information that is translatable um, into these impacts. The easiest way, for example, in regard to energy efficiency, when it comes down to reducing energy demand, would be just the kilowatt hour or the costs of that energy involved and the difference in that energy multiplied with some form of impact factor should give us um, the overall impact and the change in those impacts. We distinguish two types of models uh, regarding energy efficiency measures. The first one is more related to the system. We call this the use phase model. So those implies all the upstream materials needed to produce energy. Thus, when we reduce energy demand, the difference making property in this case, uh, we can estimate how much natural resources are saved by that. The second model we employ is the so-called production phase model. This relates to all to the actual measures we do like the refurbishment of buildings, the replacement of cars, the building of tracks for um, trains, additional or replacement of lighting and buildings, and so on and so on. And each of these measures can be clustered to, to some type of, to one type of model within the production phase. And this would give us an overview of how much additional material and what type of material is needed as a natural resources to make this happen. And we can compare this additional peak in energy demand to the overall savings of energy from that point onward in the future. We will come back to the MECAT tool in a second, but before it, I would like to ask you another question related to the term you used when you described yourself. You used the term decoupling. Here uh, we see growing demand for energy in, for economic growth, uh, but at the same time a need for energy efficiency. 
So how would you address this apparent contradiction? If we think about, for example, our goals regarding climate change, the goals of the European Commission to reduce our overall emissions by at least 55% to 2030, then it's clear that there are some measures that will require additional energy in the system. Replacing conventional combustion fueled cars with electric ones increases the energy demand, at least in the short term. A lot of the other measures regarding, for example, the building sector will require additional energy as well, additional input into the system, big material or, or energy. But if we want to think about how this this additional demand for energy can be mitigated in some way, then we need let's say, smart policies to do so. Let me give you two examples. We currently produce photovoltaic electricity on a lot of uh, roofs in uh, Europe, and we plan to install additional capacity. This electricity is currently usually just directly inputted into the electricity grid of the local country. But it could be useful to also install some type of batteries or storage facilities so we can mitigate the fluctuation in, in energy demand better um, and thus have a lower need or less need to produce additional electricity. And the same is true for electric cars. A car is not used 24 hours usually. It has a lot of times where it just stands around, but it could be still connected to the grid at this moment of, of the day. And we could try to, using the, the battery in the car as an additional storage facility, um, to also use it to, to um, reduce the overall energy demand. So this is a some type of synergy between different sectors and different solutions we employ regarding sustainability. Thank you for the whole introduction to the topic. I would move now from the general understanding of the issue at stake to the Mika's tool and how the tool tries to address the issue. We know the Mika tool is composed of different indicators, as I mentioned before, and we are speaking now about the environmental indicators. Uh, can you uh, briefly introduce how the tool measure the, um, these issues? There are, of course, experts involved in calculating, for example, the greenhouse gas emissions. But my area of expertise is more related to natural resource use. Um, and our indicator for that is the material footprint. The material footprint accumulates all the resources on the input side of a system needed for a particular service um, and, and sum them up. So we have an overall understanding of how much material do we need to provide a service. And we think that this is a good proxy to look at the out output side of the system where environmental impacts occur. Because we argue that any interaction with uh, the natural resources, the system, the, 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 the planet itself, will lead to, to some form of environmental output or, or reaction or effect. And if we re can reduce the overall interaction with the system, um, the environmental imp impacts will be reduced as well. That this is more or less the, the overall proxy, the, the rough estimation of the environmental um, impact of natural resource use extraction. We also differentiate different types of material footprints. As an overall uh, point of view, we differentiate between abiotic materials, such as metals, 
and biotic materials such as the use of, of wood, for example, or uh, other biotic materials for, for energy production, for example. Within the, the side of the abiotic materials, uh, we distinguish uh, metals from minerals, and within the metal side, we distinguish between uh, precious and non-precious metals, all of which is uh, related to different intensities of, of a material footprint. If you think about a, a ore uh, which contains silver, then it's uh, maybe more difficult or it's easier to obtain than an ore that contains copper. And the content of the, of the material you want to have, the um, economically used material is different between those ores as well. So it might be necessary to move thousands and thousands of tons to obtain one kg of gold, uh, while it, uh, a lot more iron is contained in an iron ore, so it's easier, it costs less material to get uh, to that uh, kg of iron compared to gold. One principle of the MICA tool is its accessibility and its relevance to policy making. How would you describe the relevance of these indicators you just described for policymakers? How could they use it practically to inform or design better policies? Um, and here I would also add another layer of the MICA tool that is uh, its relevance at different levels of government. Let me uh, respond to your two-part question in two parts as well. First of all, what is the, the benefit of the tool? Uh, what is the benefit of multiple impacts anyway? If you think about policy related to our economy overall or to sustainability goals um, in particular, it is important to understand uh, when our, if our uh, policies have unintended side effects that we want to avoid. So any negative multiple impacts of energy efficiency, we want to know about as soon as possible. And if there are any, we want to decide, we want to have some knowledge, some empirical knowledge on whether we can take them into account, whether it's worth it to pursue that policy anyway. Uh, there's a second dimension to that, and that is the dimension uh, of synergies rather than target conflicts. Because it might be that we have a easy to implement policy aimed at a particular issue, let's say climate change mitigation, but we find that the overall effect to the goal is rather small. So we could now neglect this policy and say, okay, let's, let's do something else that's more effective tackling this issue. But if we look at the multiple impacts and find that it has additional benefits in other areas of sustainability, let's say health or the overall environment, or maybe even the economy, it might be worth pursuing this policy just because we now know this. As to your second part of the question, there's always some type of economy of scale involved. If we think about policies on the local level in a city, for example, compared to policies on the European or even global level. By differentiating this, these different levels, MECAT um, allows to look at particular issues, particularly measures and solutions within a very small scale, and then try to estimate the effect if more than one entity, if more than one city, if maybe a hundred cities uh, employ this measure. So the scaling up is helpful in understanding what type of measures 
are similar, what type of measures of cases can be employed somewhere else as well. So if we have good examples, if we have good or best practices, what would be the effect if we pursue those goals on a more um, international level? And it also works the other way around as well, of course. If we have an idea how much uh, refurbishment uh, we need in Europe overall to achieve a certain goal, as in energy and GHG emission reduction, uh, we can look at different countries and see what is achievable where. And where is it the most needed, um, this policy of, let's say, energy refurbishment in residential buildings? Well, thank you very much for all the wonderful insights you gave us today. Do you have anything else you would like to tell us in relation to this topic? Yeah, um, I think I do. I want to emphasize now that we are concluding um, the importance of incorporating all three dimensions into this tool or any similar tool for that matter. We are at the start of uh, very, very uh, important uh, changes to our policies. We need to do uh, a lot to, to transform our society so it becomes not only more sustainable, but sufficiently sustainable. And these policies are necessarily, some of them at least, very expensive or very difficult to implement. And it will affect a lot of people, not only in Europe, but all over the world, uh, where similar policies need to need to be put in place. So it is important that we do not focus only on the direct emissions evolved and the energy we can save, but that we incorporate such policies in a way that they are socially acceptable, um, that they incorporate uh, international uh, implications as well, regarding, for example, the global south that still needs the right to develop to some degree but in a sustainable manner, or just looking at the most vulnerable persons in our society here in Europe, that we need some help if we implement the ambitious goals we want to achieve. Thank you, Jens, for guiding us through this complex topic of the relationship between energy and material consumption and energy efficiency. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We discussed today how material consumption impacts the environment and the different patterns of this process in Europe and in actually in different European countries. Thanks for tuning in and helping us building a community of listeners that are uh, as passionate in energy efficiency as we are. To engage with us and share your opinion after each episode, follow the MICAT project and continue discussions on Twitter at MICAT underscore EU or MICAT dash multiple impacts calculation tool. In our next episode, we will continue to discuss the topic of multiple benefits in terms of energy security and delivery. Thank you.